Welcome to the FinTalks, a chat with Finance Malta. Today we have Ian Maley from the MFSA. Ian, may I invite you to introduce yourself? I am Ian Maley. I am uh, one of the deputy heads within the Securities and Market Supervision function of the Malta Financial Services Authority. Um, I've been with, with the authority for 10 years and I am responsible for the supervision of collective investment schemes, fund managers and investment firms. Great, thank you. So we'll start off with the questions. Can you talk us through how the MFSA approaches the supervision of collective investment schemes and their service providers? So through supervision, the MFSA um, ensures that it protects the interests of of investors um, uh, of financial services. So the Securities and Market Supervision, as I mentioned earlier, is responsible for the supervision within the asset asset management sector. It currently supervises 590 collective investment schemes, 58 fund managers, 12 custodians and 20 recognized fund administrators. Um, the total assets under management um, that of the of the local Asset management industry is currently 12.5 billion of assets. So at the outset, the deliverance of high quality risk-based supervision remains a priority for, for the MFSA. This is achieved through a supervisory cycle involving on-site um, inspections, off-site desk-based reviews and enhanced supervision. The outcome of the risk-based supervisory model provides indications on the target visit population and the correlated frequency. On-site inspections can be segregated into broad scope and focused inspections. Um, the case of broad scope inspections, the, the focus would typically be on governance, risk and compliance. Mm -hmm. And in the case of focused inspections, um, teams are, are, are chosen depending on the MFSA supervisory priorities, ESMA priorities, as well as other supervisory uh, matters which, which the MFSA would be privy to resulting from, from previous years. Uh, once these priorities are determined and the teams are selected, the, the MFSA determines the, the population of license holders that, that should be visited. So um, in determining the population, a risk-based approach is adopted. Um, the, the information that determines the, the selection of the population typically includes the results of the risk scoring of the risk-based models that, that the function operates, um, information that, that may be received from external third parties or other national competent authorities, um, information from previous on-site inspections and other findings which have not been resolved or which are, which are ongoing, and typically the, the nature, um, scale and complexity of a license holder. Um, license holders who have an extensive 
um, an extensive market market presence would typically be targeted at more frequent intervals towards visits. Um, the modus operandi of an inspection may vary depending on on the scope of uh, of the ins of the inspection. The scope can be broad scope, as I mentioned, typically governance, risk, and compliance, or or focused. And we also carry out surprise inspections. Okay. Surprise inspections typically would arise when there is um, a case of enhanced supervision, and we visit the the license holder unannounced. Um, this the the inspection process is subdivided into three categories the pre-inspection stage whereby um, as an authority we inform the license holder of the of the visit schedule the details of the visit who will be uh, leading the visit and typically we also request a set a set of documentation that needs to be submitted to the MFSA through the license holder portal for review before the visit once we send that pre-notification and the documentation is received by the authority from then on we start our review process we draft uh, we review the documentation which would typically include policies board minutes investment committee minutes perhaps internal audit reports um, and the review starts at that stage once the review um, is completed a pre-inspection report is drawn up and that would typically serve as a guideline for for the inspectors to to carry out the, the, the visit accordingly um, together with the pre-inspection report we also um, have a, a set of checklists mm -hmm. which are are used depending on the nature and scope of that of that visit and uh, that would typically conclude the pre-inspection process from then on um, the next step of the cycle would be the inspection stage um, it can take various forms but the most commonly used form is through interviewing whereby we start by requesting license holders to provide us with a presentation of the operations of the company the business models and and uh, an overview of how the company operates in mm -hmm. practice from then on we will have our scheduled agenda of meetings and and function holders which which who we intend to actually uh, interview okay um, from then on we'll start the interviews we can ask for additional documentation and uh, Typically, the visit is is close to a concluding meeting. From then on, the post-inspection process kicks in. Mm -hmm. um, this would involve analysis of any documentation which has been retrieved in the, in the on ongoing inspection process, um, as well as any other analysis which needs to be conducted following the inspection stage. From then on, the, the inspectors draft a post-visit report. Mm -hmm. If necessary, other meetings and interactions are held with the license holders. And if there aren't any 
any other pending matters the report is sent to license holders if there are any pending matters the license holder would be requested to provide feedback as necessary right. in the event that there are major findings the license holder would be placed under enhanced monitoring mm -hmm. whereby um, more focus on supervision is placed on that specific license holder um, the license holder could be subject to a remediation plan and if those remedies and the MFSA is not satisfied mm -hmm. with with the implementation of the changes required and the recommendations made in the post post inspection report then um, it could resort as a supervisory function um, to the referral process for enforcement referrals. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there is also off-site supervision, which is typically desk-based reviews of documentation received throughout the, the year. These mm -hmm. would typically include returns, financial statements, financial documentation, Annex for reporting. Um, these are reviewed. We operate on a way by way of a relationship, relationship allocations, whereby um, our staff are assigned um, a portfolio of license holders, right. and they would be the main contact point for that license holder, and they would interact with with that license holder accordingly. As I mentioned earlier. Um, we have also in, in our supervisory, supervisory cycle the, the possibility of enhanced supervision. Mm -hmm. um, if we determine that um, there are a number of issues within the license holder or as the license holder merits close, a closer look or if there are red flags, we would, we would focus more resources on that license holder. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. And specifically for 20, 2021, what are the supervisory priorities of the MFSA? In the asset management sector, the supervisory priorities um, will be the, a common supervisory action on, on costs and fees. Um, this has been an ASMA work stream and has been launched by European Securities and Markets Authority for 2021. The MFSA will be tackling this common supervisory action by way of a questionnaire and the questionnaire will, will be targeting usage management companies mm -hmm. and self-managed usage and from that from from the answers of the of the questionnaire the MFSA will also be targeting through on-site inspections, additional clarifications and verifications on how um, usits are charging costs to investors and the adequacy of costs and fees. Also, we are currently conducting inspections with respect to outsourcing of key functions. Mm -hmm. um, this, this will be carried out during the, the first of, of, of the year. Um, outsourcing is, is very important. Typically, the asset management sector operates by way of outsourcing either portfolio management or risk management. And there are other key 
key functions such as compliance and internal audit which which may be outsourced um, and it's important as one of the key risk areas in the sector that we ensure that the outsourcing activities are are being monitored accordingly um, if i can briefly touch on liquidity risk management during 2020 the mfsa was part of another common supervisory action yes, this launched was my, my next question launched by esma um, this followed preliminary work undertaken in 20, 2019 mm -hmm. and uh, following that work we've issued another questionnaire and we've undertaken dedicated dedicated on-site inspections on on this area okay so what was the outcome of the common supervisory um common supervisory action review on on liquidity so the the scope of this of this um common supervisory action was to address current or potential mismatches between um the asset and liability side right. of the fund that is dealings and the liquidity position and liquidity letters of the of the portfolio mm. of of the fund both um, under current and stress scenarios okay so it's important in the sense that liquidity risk management um, can contribute to financial instability and may raise concerns with respect to investor protection and the orderly functioning of the markets mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of findings we've analyzed liquidity risk management policies and procedures and whilst we haven't identified any major issues in the area um, our review on, on usage managers suggested date that such policies can be improved to ensure that they comprehensively reflect the investment investment strategies of the funds under management so they would be more focused and tailor-made to the specific strategy of of that fund right um another another um, so did you see some sway in the in in their implementation of the strategy um what what we've seen is that these these policies were quite generic right and and uh, see, okay. we would like to see that these are more tailor-made yes, and focused towards towards the strategy of that specific fund okay in the sense that one fund can have a different strategy from from the other mm -hmm. um another area which which uh, we've we've seen is pre-investment liquidity analysis and forecasts although it's not it's not expected that with respect to listed securities um, there are detailed checks with respect to pre-investment liquidity um, it is it is expected that these undertake are undertaken with respect to unlisted securities but mm -hmm. um, in the area of listed securities one has to pay attention on the actual market cap and volume of trading um, if there are securities which which are not traded but are listed then the fund manager would have to undertake um, additional liquidity pre-investment checks on that on that asset as well
Okay, very good. And you mentioned outsourcing. What are the, the functions that fund managers um, can, can outsource and what are the regulators' expectations in, in this regard in terms of what they report and, and, and how that value chain works? So we're, we're cognizant that outsourcing may increase operational efficiency and that this will eventually raise the bar um, of key function key functions within within a license holder outsourcing can also enable a firm to benefit from enhanced business processes and the additional expertise that um, an outsource function can bring to the mm-hmm. company however outsourcing of key functions does not exonerate responsibilities on the side of the investment manager and it brings about um, risks that if they are not managed can have repercussions on that license holder. Mm -hmm. So outsourcing could possibly lead to over-reliance on service providers. So the license holder and the board of directors need to ensure that they have a robust setup to monitor and oversee any outsourced functions. This should be done in an effective manner and to ensure that the level of the expected standard of the outsource function mm-hmm. is, is kept. Um, there could also be a risk of over-reliance on, on outsourced entities, but the license holder still needs to have contingency planning um, associated with, with this risk in the sense that it should it should have contingency plans um, in, the, in the event that one of the outsourced functions may experience difficulties in its in its operations um, although a license holder can and is allowed to outsource certain functions mm-hmm. such as portfolio or risk management um, the core decision making needs to remain within that license holder. Um, Delegation and and outsourcing of activities um, can take place, they're allowed, but a license holder cannot end up as a letterbox entity. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the license holder retains responsibility for those functions, even though they delegate the functions to an outsource provider, is that right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, In fact, in fact, the license holder would be expected to exercise monitoring both prior to engaging a service provider and also on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, if something goes wrong with with an outsource function, the license holder and typically in, in the local context, the board of directors would be responsible for any issues that may arise as a result of the operations or the malfunction of a of an outsourced entity right okay and how does that relate to substance rules no um in terms in terms of substance um it's it's expected that our our license holders retain um a core element of local presence and that um some, although the regulations, particularly the AFMD, allows the delegation of 
portfolio or risk management mm -hmm. nevertheless um, one of them and part of the operations still need to be retained locally and the company would still need to have its its local um, local employees okay very good thank you and can you outline the way the notified AFE and the professional investor fund um, regimes are supervised and whether they provide adequate investor protection so um, the regulatory framework with respect to collective investment schemes in Malta um, has a, has adopted a, f a flexible approach in the sense that um, it it has its alternative investor funds, the usage funds, and also the homegrown professional investor fund regime. Um, the professional investor fund regime is is very appealable to those small startup companies typically investing in private equity and uh, by way of using this type of setup these license holders would benefit from from additional economies of scale uh, as these would not be required to fully comply with the alternative investment fund managers directive the afmd um, however these are still authorized professional investor funds and they still ha are supervised um, on an ongoing basis so there's also a level a level of of regulatory framework embedded when in this professional investor fund regime in 2016 the mfsa also launched the notified AFE regime mm -hmm. um, the notified AFE regime it, the main advantage of this regime is that as, that it is a fast fast is subject to a fast tracking registration process while relying on the regulatory status of the manager of okay. that of that AF. Um, typically um, once a risk management policy is submitted and pre-notified to the MFSA the MFSA is required to issue a registration of an AF within a ten, within a ten working day, not within a ten working day time frame, obviously considering that the application is is submitted in full. Um, in terms of supervision of the notified AF, whilst the MFSA does not supervise the notified AF directly, mm -hmm. as it is subject to a registration reliance is put on the alternative investment fund manager um, whereby we monitor the governance and control functions within the AFM and we also monitor the financial position of that of that alternative investment fund manager from a prudential perspective as well as other areas like the compliance and and AML CFD functions of that of that fund manager um, an AFE can be set up in, in various forms it can mm -hmm. be either closed-ended or or open-ended um, it can have um, a number of, of investment strategies and we are as an authority we are currently going through a process whereby we're determining whether it would be appropriate to extend 
the investment um, strategies allowed in terms of the current current NAIF mm-hmm. regime. Which um, investment strategies would be included if you're able to share? Uh, currently, we're also considering whether the the NAIF could could uh, could invest in portfolios of loans. However, okay. these discussions are are still ongoing, and obviously, um, there's no commitment at at this current mm-hmm. stage. Okay. However, it, it is also important to note that we have experienced an increase in. In the registration of notified AVES mm-hmm. and 11% of the current fund population today is in the form of an AF. Thank you very much. That's all my questions today. This was Ian Melly from the MFSA. Thank you for your time.